You are listening to the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. My name is Heather Lee Kennison, and I am the host of this podcast as well as the founder of Women in Youth Ministry. We are a part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network, and a link to that network can be found in our description box. You can check out our website, womeninyouthministry.com, to read our blog, follow our social media, and join our Facebook community. Thank you so much for tuning in to celebrate the voices of women. and welcome back to this week's episode of the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. This week, our guest is Jess Berryhill. Jess, introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us who are you, where are you, and tell us something totally unique about you, completely unrelated to ministry. Okay. Um, Well, my name is Jess, and I have been a youth pastor for um, almost 11 years at the same church. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, it's been kind of crazy. Um, and then um, I am in Terre Haute, Indiana. So just all the way on the western edge of Indiana. Um, fun fact, um, I have really big shoes. Uh, I have, I wear 14 in men's, what? Um, which is a little wild. Yeah, it's how big tall shoes. are you? Um, about six foot. So I wish... Yeah, I wish my body would have gotten the memo that maybe I should have been just a tad taller, but um, this, yeah, my shoes are huge. Um, probably another fun fact is, um, fun fact slash youth ministry fail is that um, I sent my kids out to play a game of bigger and better and um, forgot to tell them not to bring back anything alive. And I got a dog out of it. Actually, it was a puppy at the time. So um, my dog is, we call him the paperclip puppy because he got traded for a paperclip. So yeah, it was a good time. So his name's Cooper and he's pretty great, but unexpected. So yeah. I love that. I have always wanted to play bigger, better, but I'm afraid of how that would turn out because I know people who've received it, cars. Yes. Yeah. We, we had one of those. We also had a mattress that got picked up off the side of the road. I was like, why did you bring that back? But you know. It's a vibe. So, yeah. That's amazing. So you have a whole dog from a youth ministry game. Yes. I Yes. He's five years old now. Um, he's a 70 pound pit lab. So it wasn't even like a tiny dog. It was like big dog. So it's, <laughs> it's a good time. It's amazing. And so. 11 years at one church is total goals. Total yeah. goals. So yeah. tell me, how did you get involved in ministry? Um, and what do you do today at your church? Yeah, so um, my path was a little windy, um, as of I'm sure a lot of our paths are a little windy. Um, I went to school for English education. And because I felt like I wanted to teach kids about life, that should have been like my first flag you know like hello like <laughs> um but I missed that memo and then I sw- I figured out I didn't really want to teach so I did psychology um and then I went to grad school for experimental psychology which is total like nerd fest um like research all that jazz um and then I I started volunteering I moved over here to Terre Haute and 
started volunteering for the youth ministry um, at my church. And I was like, why, how did I miss this? Like you love middle school kids and high school kids and like, that's your vibe. And you're stuck doing research right now. Like as much as I love that part of my brain, it just wasn't, wasn't hitting all the, all the things. So I quit grad school, which was, which was hard for like my, like academic side, but um, yeah. And then I, the youth pastor left um, the church I was serving at. And so I've been here ever since, which is a little wild. Like, um, so my degree isn't necessarily anything really super related to youth ministry, but it's been, it's been a good ride. Um, so I'm the youth pastor, but then, um, as a trend in my life, I kind of fell into disability ministry as I began to serve more students, um, who had special needs. Um, and so we just got to, we got the opportunity to just dig in. And, um, now I have a dual role. I'm a student ministry director, but also a special needs ministry coordinator. So um, the intersection of that is really intriguing to me um, and kind of where my heart is. Uh, watching my students love the rest of my students, whatever that looks like, love each other in such a unique way. Is, it's, it's like gold. So yeah, that's kind of what I do. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So this season, I am interviewing youth pastors who have done something just completely creative and completely innovative at their church. And Charlie Connor passed your name along to me and said, like, what Jess is doing at their church is amazing. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that. So you were uh, posed with having to completely rethink the way that you did ministry when you had a student. Um, enter your ministry with autism. Talk to us a little bit about um, how you responded to the student and ended up creating an entire ministry for disabilities. Yeah, so um, it was really, uh, as I was coming into my job, very like first, like the um, Nick, Nick is the student that um, kind of started the whole shindig. Um, he was a sixth grader as I was entering into this job, brand new, having no clue what I was doing. Um, and he um, just, I was trying to meet his needs the best I could, but I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, and so for a while, like middle school um, ministry, you know, you can kind of get by and like, they're kind of crazy anyway. And so it kind of, it kind of worked, but like, we still felt like we were kind of bumbling through it, like didn't really have a, a solid plan. And I think it, wild enough, it happened in the Walmart hard, hardware aisle. Um, Nick loves locks and keys. And like, that was his game. He stole my keys like all the time. And I just remember thinking, what if I got Nick a bike lock with like, locks on it and like he would sit there and fidget with that while he was in our lesson mm. and like I was like okay we'll try it and like it worked and I was like what and so I think it was that moment like that that like little win that you're like yes like I feel like maybe I can do this like maybe mm. I can think outside the box enough to like meet the needs of this group and so we continued to minister to Nick and when he gets when he got to high school the gap just widens mm-hmm. um, okay. and so we um, we started a, a, 
a special needs small group alongside our student ministry small groups. And kind of the rest is history. Like we, and our plan was not to, to not to make this a thing. Like, honestly, we would have been happy, like with just six to eight kids, keeping it small, like that's a vibe, but um, that was not in the plan. So um, after a couple of years, made some moves and it kind of blew up, like in a way that I was like, oh my gosh, this is like becoming its own thing. Um, so we went from like six to eight to like 20. And then ever since then, it just kind of grew into this whole other thing. And I was like, man, like, and then as you sit next to um, kids and students and adults in a circle and they share prayer requests and they say, you know, like, I really just want a job. Mm-hmm. And you're like, there's no jobs here in Terre Haute that like, it's just not, it's just not, it's not happening. Yeah. Or they say, I want to live independently. And you're like, ah, like that's, that's hard. Like, and you, and it just like, you want those things, they become your friends and, and you want the best for your friends. Right. Like, and so, um, it was sitting in those kind of circles and hearing the needs that really just compelled us to, to think, man, maybe, maybe we can fill the gap. Like maybe this is where our niches as the church and um that's kind of that's kind of how it all happened yeah Mm. it's amazing and so this has like escalated beyond the ministry but into a living community so talk a little bit about that yeah so um out of like listening to those conversations but also listening to um listening to people in our community. Um, we, we went out and we got a huge grant from, um, from an organization. And it was interesting grant because they, they gave us the ability to not have an idea straight away. Like we got to go out and like on this listening tour. And so we went and we listened to all these people and we said, Hey, like what's, what's going well in our community? Like, what are some of our strengths? But what are some of our weaknesses and where are the gaps, particularly when it comes to people with disabilities? Like what, what's missing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I heard, you hear like the big three, like jobs, transportation, and housing. Those are like across the board, some of the biggest needs in the disability community. Um, but I remember having a really specific conversation with one of our partners and she looked at me and she said, here's the deal. Like if you and I, wanted to go and have a girls night like we could do that but so many of our friends with disabilities never get the opportunity to like do that and I was like oh my gosh like like we're missing it like the 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 gap is community like at the heart of everything the gap is like this Mm. desire for community and so out of that conversation um, we started kind of this house um, where college students and young adults with disabilities can live together in community, not like a group home where it's like structured and all the things, but like as roommates. Um, and it's this incredible kind of um, melting pot of obviously personalities, but it's it not only teaches our young adults with disabilities to have independent living skills, to get jobs, to do all the things, but it also 
helps our college students, many of them who are my former students, it helps them become advocates in a, in a whole new way. Like they have grown up loving and serving people with disabilities, but now to live alongside of them, it's, it's changing the way that even if they're going into engineering, like it's gonna change the way they advocate in that field, or if they're gonna be a lawyer, like it's gonna change the way that they advocate for people with disabilities. And so it's just this, uh, it's an incredible kind of wild opportunity that we get to kind of be a part of. So, yeah, and it's, yeah. It's amazing. So, you know, this season we've been talking a lot about innovation kind of being um, this word that we focus on and the way I've been describing innovation is turning a problem into a possibility or turning an obstacle into an opportunity. And for you, you had this problem and, and I hesitate to use the word problem, but you had a student who, um, who related and learned differently than other kids. And a lot of youth pastors would say, I don't know, I don't really have anything for you. Probably you're better off just going to church with your family or like maybe staying behind in kids ministry. And that's an easy way to solve that problem. But when you saw this kid, Nick, you saw possibilities. And I just think it's so cool how you created space for one kid and it's really opened the doors for so many more people. And I also love that when you talk about people with disabilities, you say, my friends, <laughs> um, because I think that language yeah. is so important. Um, we have a special needs coordinator on staff and she was telling me that one in three uh, people actually have a disability when you count in depression and anxiety and ADHD. So you sure. have yeah. one third of people <laughs> who um, need some kind of special circumstances made for them. And so it, I think that kind of person first language and really remembering that people with disabilities are our friends. It's not a, um, that group over there, but it's us, it's our people right here, I think can really change your approach to how you uh, minister to people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's not even a, and I wanna be clear, it's not even a token friends. Like mm -hmm. I really value my time um, that I spend with um, my friends with disabilities, they, they are um, some of the most genuine, observant um, people that I know. Like they will know, notice when things are off with me and with other people. Yeah. Um, and it's a, just an incredible, um, incredible community to lean into. And I think um, that's where the church can kind of fill in the gaps. Like mm -hmm. that's one of the things, like we have this relational leverage and man, if we use that to fill in the gaps, because here's the deal, like, and people who are in this community know this, but um, the system is, is tricky. Like when you start talking about Medicaid waivers and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, voc rehab and what happens after school, um, after a kid graduates or, or complete school, um, it's, it's dicey, man. And it's hard, it's a hard system to navigate. And so if we can lean in, with the relational capital that we have, it, it changes. Like we, we avoid the systems in a lot of ways and we can address needs without ever like having to mess with that. Like we just go above the system and it's, it's fantastic. And, and obviously the system is important and I think, but the system is kind of broken. And so if we can kind of circumnavigate that or, or assist in that process, man, the church has so many, uh, 
so many opportunities to just lean in um, and fill really the biggest gap, which is obviously community. For sure. um, I remember changing around some things in our programming. And um, I remember a, a mom that said, my kid doesn't get invited over to people's houses. Mm. And I was like, it never struck me that that would be a, a gap that would be a, a real felt need. Yeah. Um, and so we decided during the summer that we would just host home gatherings, like we call them house groups, um, where people just, they just come over and they have dinner with us and um, we just get to play games. And it's just an incredible opportunity to say, okay, like we see this need and we acknowledge it, but we're going to do, a, we're going to, we're going to do something about it. Like we're going to make this happen. Um, and <laughs> excuse me, I think that's going to, that's, that's an incredible, incredible gift that the church sometimes misses, misses the boat on. So talk a little bit about like these doors being opened. Um, tell us how innovation the like the innovative process opened doors um for you guys that you just didn't expect to be opened yeah yeah so i think um i mean obviously we came to the table with this crazy big idea mm -hmm. um and and this idea happened over the period so this we launched in 2019 august of 2019 um, we launched launched friendship house mm -hmm. um but it was like a seven month process like it was like, I would never recommend that for anyone to like launch a house in a, a whole community, but it, it is what it is. So we launched it. But then I, what I didn't realize was all the kind of trickle down kind of, it, we thought that it was just going to be within the walls of mm -hmm. the house. Like, obviously we'll have this beautiful community and it'll be fantastic. Um, and that is true. But then I didn't realize that um, some of our residents would start attending church um, and so it was an opportunity for our church to see them as valuable pieces of the body yeah. um, and so they they serve communion which was one of like yeah. one of my highlights like probably one of my ministry highlights was just to see them serve other people and not just be served because I think that's so many times like this community especially is always the one being served and not the one serving and so we were we were pretty intentional about getting our, our residents plugged into um, being greeters, to working in children's ministry, whatever that looked like for them, whatever they wanted to do. Um, so on the church side, like that was exciting. Um, on the, obviously we talked a little bit about the college end, like seeing them become advocates in new ways, like was incredible. Um, but also I think in the neighborhood, like our house is in the middle of um, kind of an intersection of a, um, a lot of houses that are rentals, so a lot of turnover, but we are also kind of on this intersection of like historical homes that have like long-term residents. And so it, it's an incredible witness for us to stand in the middle of that neighborhood and invest in that neighborhood that we were, we wanted to show up um, in the neighborhood, right? And say, okay, like, it's not just in our walls, but this is gonna be a friendship house. Like this is gonna be a hub for community. And um, watching the neighbors watch us interact with our friends um, has been really beautiful because it changes not only 
obviously their perspective on people with disabilities that they can be, uh, you know, a viable part of the community. Um, but it also, it's it's a, it's a powerful witness that to say like I have college students who are are paying to live alongside people with disabilities because they believe in this kind of vision and dream. Mm. Um, and so I don't know. It's it. And I just wasn't expecting the opportunities that would come out of that, I guess. Maybe it was just short-sighted, but um, I think that was that was one of the doors that got open. But also I think when we were having conversations initially about what we were gonna do um, with this grant, um, we got to have conversations with a whole lot of people and those were so informative, but also they helped us make more friends. Like that's been one of the best gifts. Like hmm. we got to have conversations that were meaningful, but also like ended up with more friends at the end. Like, yes, like sign me up. That's a fantastic. <laughs> and through one of these conversations, um, the guy who runs the local bike park, it's like a mountain biking park in town. <laughs> and he said, you know what, you should bring your students with disabilities out to the bike park. And I said, well, like that, that's a great idea. Um, except I'm not going to do that unless every single one of my kids can participate. And from that, like we had a conversation and he was like, well, let's do it. Like, let's make it accessible. And so yeah. we were able to buy some wheelchairs, um, all-terrain wheelchairs for the bike park. And so like yeah. just investing in conversations, like open the doors for all these things that I was just not expecting. Um, yeah, so I think innovation, like, leads to us being able to have conversations that maybe we would have not been able to otherwise. Hmm. I think like one thing um, that has like rung in my head as you talked was like, you definitely have like a yes and attitude towards uh, like the disabilities community. Like, like, yes, like we can, we can do it. Like we don't have to have all these limitations in place. Like, I don't know if you can dream it, you can do it. But I kind of think of like in improv, you know, people throw like all kinds of scenarios and in improv, you're taught to say yes, like, and, and then you continue forward. Um, and it, it really seems like with this ministry, any obstacle that's been kind of come your way, you've said, yes, like, let's, let's do this. Let's think through this. And I just think that it's such a gift and I think should be pretty inspiring for anyone who's listening is looking at obstacles in their ministry and can think of, oh, well, if we do this, then all of these obstacles will come. Well, probably, yes, probably you're going to face <laughs> like some more issues, but how can you face them? Like with a good attitude and like push through. And I just think that is the kind of mindset and talent that's going to really push like the church big C, you know, into the future. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think um, I think we underestimate our ability to meet needs. And I think we wait sometimes to, to like feel equipped and to, I'm not saying like training and all those things are not important. Like they totally are, but like, sometimes we delay things because we don't feel like we're able to do things. When mm -hmm. I think, man, like, let's just show up and see what happens. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I'm, uh, I think I fall into adventures a lot. And so um, that feels kind of what, like sometimes we just fall into things and like mm -hmm. we figure it out. Um, and that doesn't feel like innovation. Um, innovation, I think 
when you say that word, I think you think structure and like planning and like, but sometimes the best innovation happens when you hear a need and you say, okay, like who do we have in our, in our, in our crew that, that we can maybe meet that need with? Like, let's go. Like, um, and so I, I would just encourage you, like, if you're listening, like just to, to think about, man, like maybe innovation is a little bit spontaneous too. <laughs> For sure. Well, I don't think like, um, I've said this a few times on the podcast, inventors don't sit around thinking, what's the thing I can invent? They see a problem and they go, oh, yeah. I can solve this. I can create Absolutely, a solution. Yeah. And so you're not going to do anything new or interesting in your ministry unless you start seeing problems and obstacles as really, really exciting. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I love it. So right now, like you have this awesome opportunity, you're speaking at orange every year on, uh, disabilities and special needs. That's really awesome. So now you get to talk to other youth workers about, um, special needs and disabilities. What is like the main thing that you, try to share with youth workers or maybe a few of your favorite things that you like to share with youth workers? Yeah. Um, I think just remembering that you can do it, like that it's going to be tricky and like, there are going to be moments where maybe you don't get it right, but, Hmm. um, it's always worth it. Like at the end of the day, um, leaning in is always typically worth it. Um, one of the things that I think I've been really like, rolling around, especially in this, like, I guess, I don't know if we're after COVID, what, whatever season we're in with COVID, I don't know. Um, it's kind of this idea of like leaning into the ordinary. Um, I remember we just, um, speaking of like, we just, um, took one of our friends out, um, and she has, uh, she has, um, she uses a wheelchair and, um, we went to paint pottery at the mall and then we went to dinner and that, that doesn't seem like a big deal to us. Like those are things that we get to do all the time. But, but she looked at us and she said, I've never like been able to do like, I've never been on a girl's night. Like I've never mm. had an opportunity to do this away from my parents. And she's like 22. Sure. And so to like lean into her ordinary um, is a really powerful experience. And she said, you know, you guys are kind of like my extended family. Like, I don't have a lot of family around here, but like you guys, you guys are it. And I, and I think like, that's so powerful to me, but I think, man, I feel like I'm not playing that big of a role in your life. Like, like for me, it's not, I don't know, but for her, like, it's a huge deal. And so I feel like just leaning into people's ordinary, um, especially right now, I feel like, man, I don't know. It's, it's this, I feel like that's the secret sauce right now is like being able to say, okay, like I'm going to show up in people's ordinary and, and just be like, I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I'm at right now with ministry in general is, is just to really show up in in powerful ways. Um, On the disability side of things, I think um, the more you can expose your neurotypical students to students with disabilities, it's going to, it's going to change the game. I know that there have been moments where our students have um, decided to come and volunteer at our special needs ministry. And um, those students are forever changed um, because it's, it's, um, 
it's just a powerful opportunity. So um, a lot of times people will ask, you know, like, how do I prepare my neurotypical students to, to engage with people with disabilities? And I say, well, like, let's start planning that into our service projects and to our mission trips. And don't be afraid to say like to a mission trip company, like, hey, like we have this heart or I have this heart or vision for my student ministry. Like, how can I, how can we kind of plug serving people with disabilities into that picture um and then like I don't know I just I think about early on um I remember calling a mission trip company and saying hey like um you know do you have do you have trips for students with special needs like I don't know I didn't know what the I was just asking Mm -hmm. questions and they were like well yeah we've kind of served some kids with special and it's a I don't know. I think you just have to start asking the questions and you have to say, okay, like we're going to include these, these kids, like, and it's a non-negotiable, like, and so I don't know. I think if you make it a, kind of a deal breaker, you say, okay, like we're going to do this. So how can you best help us accommodate this kid? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, 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 that's, those are things that come to the top of my head, but um, yeah. I think just making sure that everyone has a place at your table, I think is so huge. Yeah. I know like there's so much about what you said that really connects to me and, and challenges me. Um, we have long been a ministry that just hasn't been able to accommodate people with special special needs or disabilities. And um, I think that's probably a lot of that's an excuse. Um, the truth is, is like we have always had a special needs ministry with children's ministry But um, as you said, once they get to middle high school, that gap just widens and a lot of our families uh, stop coming to church or um, don't send their students to youth ministry just because they know that it's going to be really difficult for students to connect once they get to middle and high school, Um, which is really, really sad. But we are doing a lot of work to make this a better place for teenagers with disabilities. Um, We have a student right now who uses a wheelchair full time and um, he's just this really awesome kid. And, um, but every time he wants to do something, it challenges us to think through that event thoroughly. So our special needs coordinator now sits in on our monthly event planning meetings and she listens to us plan out our events and she goes, okay, well, you're talking about a trampoline park. <laughs> so yeah. what about this student? What are you going to do for him? Um, And helps us think through, okay, you just brought up foods, but um, let's just kind of be reminded of the fact that we have so many students who have uh, differing food needs. Um, And Mm. that role uh, is, I think, hard because she has to be a person who's always speaking up, like for, um, you know, for people who aren't able to speak up, you know, at that table. Um, And I think that sometimes makes the rest of our team feel like, oh, not another obstacle, you know, (laughs) it'd be so much easier if you stayed at home, which is so bad to say, but that's how we sometimes feel, but we have to like switch our mindset. Um, So I know you have really um, encouraged me today to, to really look at um, our students and their needs as a huge gift to our ministry um, because it mm-hmm. allows us to fit more at the table. And that's really what the kingdom of God is about. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So as we wrap up this episode of the podcast, there's one question we love to ask 
um, all of our guests, and that is that we are the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. Uh, what word of encouragement or thoughts or ideas um, would you just like to give to any of the women listening? It could be a piece of encouragement. It could be something you've been thinking about lately um, or, or whatever. It's a free-for-all. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, this year I've made some hard changes in terms of my well-being, Hmm. Um, obviously you'd heard all the things that I do and it's a lot, um, probably more than what I should be doing. I'm probably not the, the standard for well-being at all. Um, but I gave up caffeine last year. Um, and hmm. then I started running. Um, I started, I run a mile a day every day. And so, um, I just have been really convicted about my well-being and like making sure that I'm taking care of me. Um, because like, I love the things that I do and I want to make sure that I can do them for the long haul. Right. Like, mm. and I think, I don't know if it's just me hitting like that 10 year kind of like Mark and like, I'm getting older. I hate to say that, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm like 35 now. Right. And like, and um, I just feels, I don't know after COVID, like it just mm. feels like that needs to be like a priority for me. Sure. Um, and so I don't know if that's, that's probably not super helpful, but I think it's incredibly helpful. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like as someone who's 35 and like, I don't know, maybe having a little bit of like a, like a <laughs> existential crisis, like in some ways I'm thinking, man, like I want to make sure that I'm able to do what I love forever for as long as I can. Right. Um, and so well-being has, has been kind of a focus this year, um, for me and, um, and I don't think you can innovate. Um, it's hard. It's hard. I, I want to be clear. It's harder to innovate when you don't feel well. Mm. Um, and so I think that's, that's important. So I agree. I mean, we often talk about ministry as like spitting plates and you can't yeah. spin all the plates if the plate spinner like isn't well. <laughs> if there's something wrong yeah. with the plate spinner, all the plates are going to drop. Yeah. And I don't know, I think I definitely feel like I hit a season where it was just kind of a slog and you're like, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I feel the joy that, that comes with being in youth ministry, right? Like we signed up because this is like literally the best job ever. Um, no one gets it, but it's, it's like gold. And so I want to make sure that I can do this for the long haul. And especially mm-hmm. now that I'm leaning more into kind of this advocacy work. Mm-hmm. I think it just lends it to, like, I think I need to be even more well when you're, when you're kind of fighting the battle, Absolutely. like, like you gotta be well. So, yeah. cause there's going to be all sorts of stuff that pops up. For but, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a position where compassion fatigue is more likely and yeah. also decision fatigue. So I think that's a big thing with innovation is you have all these possibilities in front of you, all these decisions yeah. to make, and you have to figure out like which ones are the right ones like you have to take care of yourself so that you can really, you know, trust yourself when you're making all these hard decisions on behalf of other people. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jess, it's been awesome to have you on. I would love for you to share with people, how could people follow you or your work online? Um, and where could they find out more about the friendship house? Um, yeah, so you can find out more about friendship house at Terre Haute friendship house. Um, that's on Facebook. Um, you can just should be able to type that in there. Um, and then 
my Instagram handle is just Jess Berry Hill. I know, classic. And then my email, if you if you do email, uh, it's just jessberryhill at gmail.com. Super easy all across the board. So, yeah. Yes, I love it. Clear as kind as St. Brene Brown says. So. Yes, uh, Brene. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jess, for being on. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us on Insta or Twitter at Women in YM. If you are a woman, we'd love to have you in our Facebook community. Go to womeninyouthministry.com to learn more. To listen to more podcasts from the Youth Cartel Podcast Network, go to the youthcartel.com slash podcast dash network.